You want to do the you want to do the Welcome to episode <laughs> 38. Hey. I'm your host. I mean, he's your host Zach and he's here with myself Jack and of course Andrew. Sometimes hey. known as the beautiful Andrew as I recall. Oh, oh yeah. wow, thank you. Yeah, You're always Zachary. beautiful. Yeah. Okay, oh, there's an ant on my computer. Okay. Wow. Great intro. Great. Welcome. Welcome the ant to the podcast. It's his first appearance. Get him on the, we'll have him on the mic later, but first we're going to talk Mets from last, uh, from last episode, last Wednesday to what today, Monday, the 25th, the Mets are four and two, 12 and five overall. We're scoring 4.2 runs a game and we're allowing 3.3. That is a good thing. We're first in the standings, four games ahead of the Marlins currently, and we have won our first five series of the season oh for the second time, I think, in Mets history. So we're doing great. We're well, doing great. If we win every, if we win every series, we got a good shot to uh, win a division. Yeah, including in the playoffs, uh, yeah. we might even win the World Series. Then All right. that'd be great. Okay, go ahead. Uh, well, talking points from this week. Mm. Uh, Bucks lineups, they've been interesting. I'll let Andrew I'll let Andrew break yeah, them down. Definitely. Yeah, I think he's yeah, he's definitely mixed it up a little bit. He kinda seems to go with a set formula and then is just changing stuff up a little bit. And I thought the most interesting one was the way he's been using the DH so far. Mm-hmm. A lot of AL teams kind of have a set DH every day. It's you know, the guy who can't field, but he can hit. But mm-hmm. Buck, I don't know the exact numbers, but he's mixing it up a lot. He's probably used five, six, seven different DHs already in mm-hmm. 17 games. Uh, he's right. more seeming using it as a rest day, like he DH Lindor one day. So, yeah, I'm curious what you guys think about that kind of construction. Well, I think there's a couple of things going on here. It's still April, and part of this could be an extended um, spring training giving guys reps in the field, yeah. Mm-hmm. like letting Cano play some second base despite everything, letting McNeil play some left field, um, letting uh, Smith-Dom play some first base and all. Um, but I think it's a combination of all that, but I think you're right, Andrew. It is a question of just guiding, giving guys days off, letting other guys get a chance to play positions that they may be called upon to play uh, more often, depending on injuries, um, and so mm-hmm. letting them get a little t- a chance in the field. So it's 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 really nice. I think that it just keeps players on their toes, and you don't get too relaxed playing the same position and and not DHing, and also getting used to DHing. So it's it's a good managerial um, strategy, as far as I'm concerned, getting everyone a chance to get in and out of the lineup. I agree, and I think what we talked about last week with the decision between Dom and Jankowski and like those kinds of decisions where you just need to see everybody you want to filter them in and out. It's a great, it's actually great. It's been nice to have, to have another bat in the lineup as much as I miss seeing, seeing the pitchers swing and miss. Uh, But it's, it's awesome to have a manager who seems to be taking full advantage of the DH opportunities that that we're getting this year. Another interesting uh, part of the lineup is McNeil has been batting eighth on days with the full lineup. Uh, Jack, what do you think about that? What do you mean by full lineup? Andrew. Basically, every time we have our regular starters in the lineup, you know, it's not a guy's out for injury or a guy getting a day off. Every time it's the normal starting nine, mm-hmm. McNeil is batting eighth. 
Well, he's, ah. he's, well he batted leadoff there when, um, when Nimmo was out with COVID. Right. Right? Um, but now that Nimmo's back, he's out of, the, out of there and batting eighth. I don't know what that is. I mean, he's even had a, you know, batting ahead of Guillaume, which was, mm-hmm. which was odd. And he had a day off yesterday. Um, Yormi playing second base. Um, I mean, that's a hell of an eight hitter. Yeah. Yep. And it's protecting your seven hitters, so it makes you that much stronger. Um, you know, through through seven, one through eight, you're gonna you're looking very strong at that point. So I don't know. You know, it, you don't know if that is gonna. I mean, about a third one day. Um, behind Lindor, I, well, he batted. Yeah, he batted third behind Lindor in one one day. So. Um, mm-hmm. But you know he's hitting three hundred two. He's he went two for three uh, the other on Saturday. So, you know whatever worry you know he's batting behind Cano. Maybe he's just on on Saturday he batted behind Cano again. Just maybe a question of trying to get um, the guy in the seventh slot some better pitches to see. So we'll see if that continues or not. I don't think it will, but um, not a bad guy batting eighth. Right. I, I definitely I don't think that he is a number eight hitter. But if you do look at the lineup, there's really not too many other places to put him because you're going to have Nimmo and Marte and mm-hmm. Lindor and Pete in your top four basically every day that they're playing. And then, you know, you like to mix and match the left and right and you get Escobar there and Canna there and guys like that. Yeah. And then you don't want to – we have a little bit more lefties than righties. So you don't want to stack too many lefties back-to-back. Mm-hmm. So putting him eighth actually does make sense, which – Maybe that is just how good this lineup is right now. And it's an extremely small sample size, but he is hitting 375 out of the eight hole. Yeah. I would have thought Oof. his numbers would be bad because he's not getting anything to hit, but he is at least hitting there. So I think keep him there while it's working. And like I said, I think a lot of it's going to come down to who's batting seventh. I mean, he played left field on Saturday. Cano played second base. Cano was batting seventh. Dom was batting sixth. You know, so I don't think you want to have to put Cano or Dom in the eight hole because they're too easy to pitch around and too easy to get out. And then your eight nine hitters, you got the way Cano and and Smith are hitting right now. Your eight nine become weak. So McNeil there is there. I think especially if Cano is in the lineup, you might see that seven eight combo there and see if that helps out Cano. Jack, you mentioned you're mentioning Cano. He's got nine starts in the first seventeen games. Uh, he's yeah. batting. 206, not too hot. Do we see this continuing? Is uh, Andrew, do you think that's going to change soon? I think over time it will change. To me, it kind of seems like Buck and the Mets in general are just want to see what he has left, mm-hmm. see what they can get out of him. You know, he, he missed all of last year. Mm-hmm. So there's really, we don't really know too much about if he can still be a productive player or not and what kind of range he has. And with the shortened spring training, there was even less time to figure that out. So I think they're kind of, you know, he has the track record, so let him play a little bit, see what he can do. And then over time, I imagine he'll be playing less and less unless he starts hitting. Then, of course, yeah, keep him in there. So I think it's definitely, right now, it's more of an experiment than anything. Mm-hmm. 34, 36 plate appearances, nine strikeouts. That's 25% of the time he's striking out. He's only got two walks. He has only one extra base hit. Um, so, I mean, Andrew's right. You got to get him some playing time in April. You have to find out if he's got anything left in the tank. If he can play a halfway decent second base, 
Um, if he brings something to the table, then yeah, but you're talking, you know, you need like a 275 out of this guy because he's not going to give you great defense. He's not going to give you great speed anymore. So if you're not hitting 275 on, on pace for 25 or 30 home runs, well, I'd rather see other people in the game then. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd yep. rather see other guys playing. And so McNeil, and then you'd have, you know, play uh, Dom in left field or somebody else who's, you know, going to bring more more heat. So we'll see what we'll see what Cano's got. I mean, I think at this point, I don't think they'll have any problem just letting him go. Mm-hmm. If you have a young player who's going to be more helpful to you, be the, do you be it defensively or with more speed or with more of a contact hitting, I could see letting him go and just eating his contract. And because you want to win, and um, we'll see, like Jankowski might find his way back into the twenty-six man roster mm-hmm. for Cano because Jankowski's going to help you a lot more coming off the bench if Cano ever will. He's got exactly. Jankowski's got two stolen bases, you know, and he plays a good defense and they, all three positions, outfield positions. So we'll see what happens. He's batting 318 also. So we'll see. We've got options. In other options. Mets news, Carlos Carrasco had his most dominant start for the Mets since he's joined against the Giants. He's looking good. Andrew. I, yeah, I wanted to circle back to this because you had asked us last week what pitchers we've been surprised by. Mm-hmm. And, to me, right now, it is definitely Carrasco. He's looked really good. The last start, like you said, was amazing. He was the first starter, I think still the only starter, to throw a pitch in the eighth inning. And he was he was just absolutely dominant in that start. And then I went back and looked at his numbers. And, I mean, he is getting up there. He is 35. But we shouldn't be too, too surprised that he no. is putting up good numbers and hopefully he will continue to put up those good numbers because he's always been a low three ERA guy mm-hmm. in 2019 was really his only bad year with Cleveland. And that's when he had the cancer diagnosis and missed a good part of the year. So mm-hmm. you can't even really count that. And then last year he tore his hamstring and then had the elbow injuries and missed a lot of time. So now that he's fully healthy, I think, you know, going into the year, I didn't think this, but I think he will be, really good he's going to be a huge part of the rotation obviously mm-hmm. and i think going in we had the degrom injury and then we're like we need someone you know crasco can't be our two or can't be our three but right now i think we are very lucky to have him as our two or our number three because he is great and hopefully he will continue to be great oh yeah you know, i've always been an advocate of these left-handed off-speed, junker-type guys being very effective more in the National League than the American League. And this is going back to the days of 86 Mets with, with Bobby Ojeda. Um, but just – and John Tudor coming over from the Red Sox to the Cardinals for all you old-timers out there. Guys like that really seem to have <laughs> success historically in the National League, and he's the same kind of guy. The only question is, of course, at 35, will he hold up for, you know, in, into October, will he hold up and, and be able to mm-hmm. c- continue with this pace? I mean, he's a kind of guy that might, might shut down for a few weeks just to recharge and regenerate these days because he hasn't pitched a lot the last three years. So, um, but yeah, I mean, Andrew's right. The guy's got a track, a proven track record of being yeah. an effective guy. So it's not like you're right. We shouldn't be surprised by this, but still, Coming over in the American League and not knowing him that well, we are surprised and we're and less, very grateful. And he was in the Lindor trade, so suddenly that trade is looking much better. 
absolutely. Because <laughs> last year it looked only suck ass. <laughs> well, that's a great transition, Jack, into another pleasant surprise yes. from the beginning of this year. Your boy Francisco Lindor is off to a roaring start. Andrew, what's the stat line? So far, Lindor is hitting 313, 408 on base, OPS 970. Uh-huh. He's got the four home runs, three uh-huh. stolen bases, 12 RBIs, and 12 runs scored. So he's he's been he's what we paid for right yeah. now. He's playing like what we thought we were getting last year. Uh-huh. Uh, he looks a lot better at the plate. So you definitely would say he might not keep up these amazing numbers, but he should definitely outperform what he did last year. Not that that is saying much, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he he really looks great all around. He actually looks. His only negative right now is kind of in the field. His arm doesn't look yeah. great right now, but considering his track record there, I don't think that that's something that's going to continue to be an issue. Right. Well, that's thing too. Uh, he's got guys, Zach. I was going to say, so how much blame are we putting on Quattlebaum here? Or Quattlebaum, sorry. Oh, a lot. A whole <laughs> lot. Are you kidding me? All you ever hear these guys say is, we don't feel overloaded with statistics and analytics this year. We just, you know, we got a game plan. We want to hit, see the ball, hit the ball. Instead of That's true. All of, this is what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And yep. um, so Quantelbaum gone. The other thing about Lindor, you know, we talk about base on balls to strikeout ratio. Mm-hmm. In particular, we talked about that with Juan Soto uh, last year. It was phenomenal. But Lindor, 10 walks, 11 strikeouts. And Escobar, if I just throw that in real quick, 13 walks, 14 strikeouts. So we're almost 50-50 walk strikeouts, which is – Part of the reason why both of those guys are off the good heart. But the, the biggest thing will endure to me is by far, you could see he's got a different attitude, a more mature baseball-focused <laughs> attitude. That smiling stuff and and overly friendly with the, the runner at second base, he's toned it down a little bit. And I think that comes mostly from understanding what it is to play in New York. It's, it's a totally different situation here. And if the fans don't get a sense that you're taking it as seriously as they do when they walk mm-hmm. through those turnstiles, you, they're going to turn on you. Even if he was hitting better last year, I think they still would have had a problem accepting him mm-hmm. because of his attitude. But I think he's, he's got a different attitude this year. But I think that's just a question of adjusting to New York. And I think he's doing that. And that's a big part of success in New York is adjusting to this city and um, all that it brings in, in the pressure of, of playing in New York. Yeah, the pressure of playing for a team that Jack is rooting for is a lot of pressure there. Well, you know, I expect I expect them to give the same thing I get. <laughs> I'm trying to stay awake past the sixth inning, so the least they can do is play hard through six. Yeah, until the sixth. <laughs> all right, Jack, I have, a, I have a quiz for you since Uh-oh. you've kind of been a Lindor hater uh, pretty much all of last year, ever since you saw his smile in the press conference when he joined the team. Hey, I said this guy's going to be <laughs> trouble last year, and I was right. So Go ahead. Um, this this quiz is an apology quiz. If you, <laughs> if you can get half of these questions right, it'll be six questions. If you get half of these questions right, Francisco Lindor will accept your apology. It's It's created by – this quiz was created by Francisco Lindor's biggest fan, he emailed he emailed the podcast, sent it to us. I don't think English is his first language, so it might be a little sticky. It's not well, a Francisco Lindor quiz, is it? A little tough to get through. It is a Francisco Lindor all quiz. Right, all right, go ahead. Go you got to get you got to get 3 out of 6. All right. All right? all right. All right, first question. What passion does Lindor play? 
What passion? What passion does Lindor play? Now, there's some options here. That doesn't I, sound I think like English at all. <laughs> but I think That's it's better. <laughs> Do you have a guess? What passion does he play? I yeah, don't know. What passion he plays, does he play? Um, I've heard of the passion play. I, yeah. Who would he I've play? I've heard in of that? somebody playing an instrument passionately. <laughs> Who did he play in the passion play? I guess he was probably um, Pontius Pilate. Did he carry the straw? No, he is a shortstop. Come on. Obviously, he, he plays shortstop. That's his passion. All right. Go ahead. All right. Next question. Next, uh, you're 0 for 1. This is not English. Go ahead. You're 0 for 1. Where was Lindor right. born? Um, I'm, I'm some country in. That's, um, that's true. Well, uh, I'm going to say he was born in Puerto Rico. That is correct. You yeah. are 1 for 2. If you keep this right up, Lindor will forgive you. All right. All right. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah. Just let it rip. It's an easy one for you. What nope. number is Lindor? 12. Wow. Quick. quick Lightning to the speed on that Two one. Two for three. All right. Next question. Mm. Does Lindor do karate? Yes. Bang. You got it. That's it. That, well, you're done. You won't even do the rest of the questions. All right. I hope you wouldn't ask that question unless he did do karate because <laughs> that would be stupid. You guys want to see You guys want to see him in his karate uniform? No. Well, I'm sending ahead. it. Sending it. Sending right. it. There he is. <laughs> Maybe this is why he wasn't very effective. Maybe he was doing too much karate in the office. He's only a white belt? No wonder. He's a white belt. That's shaky. <laughs> I mean, all you got to do is show up. I think that's the first belt they give you. Put on this white belt. Get ready for your well, first lesson. Here's a white belt. You have to start at the bottom. I'm sure that was a, an early picture of his progression. Well, he does I'm sure. Look young. Actually, I'm sure he's like at him, least a purple but... belt. Yeah, he doesn't have blue hair in that one. Maybe he hair. dyes his hair based on what belt he's up to. Oh, that is he's interesting. Up to blue belt. Yeah, look up if blue is after green. We'll discuss this further later. All right. All right. Yeah. Let's move on to other MLB storylines. Congratulations, mm-hmm. Jack Lindor, and you are now back on good terms. Yeah, he loves me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to talk about some of the player, the the big player news this week. Miguel Cabrera. Cabrera went seven for eighteen at the plate, three eighty nine. But no hit was more important than a single to right field in the bottom of the first inning Saturday versus the Rockies. That knock made Cabrera the 33rd member of baseball's 3,000 hit club 33rd. and just the seventh with 3,000 hits and 500 runs. This guy is obviously a Hall of Famer. Jack, what has he yeah. meant to you as well, a baseball Well, he's in the American League, so he means very little to me. <laughs> I played with Detroit, so he means even less. Oh. But – but I will say this. If you look at his statistics, he is mm-hmm. a monster. He's an absolute monster. Would you get him on your Stratomatic team? Yeah, if it was 2013, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> of course I would. But, oh, he's batting 319 this year. So he batted, he's batted 250 the last two seasons. So, I mean, but, you know, he's getting old. But is this it for him? Is this his last season? I think so. I would, I would hope so. Andrew, I got a question for you. Would you take Miggy or Pujols? Uh, so uh, that's actually a really interesting question because I was thinking a lot about both of their careers, and mm-hmm. I think we, uh, at least me and you, as people who were really young when they were at their peak, don't mm-hmm. realize how dominant both of them were. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you got Miguel Cabrera winning multiple triple crowns. Yeah, he was basically a lock to win the batting title for years and years and years. And Pujols was kind of the same way. I think I would go. Pujols, 
uh, because he went at his peak was the best hitter on earth. Mm-hmm. But it is it is pretty close. Yeah, I think he won agree. four, three or four batting titles. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, um, you know, he bat three ten lifetime, Pujols two ninety seven lifetime. Other than that, they line up pretty closely. I mean, Pujols has more power, mm-hmm. um, and, and Miggy more average. You come down to more. Well, you know, Gold Gloves won a couple, two holes, a couple Gold Gloves. Um, that's a tough one. Because they're both just legendary beasts. with the bat. Yeah, they're just beasts. beasts. All right, yeah. moving on to Ty France. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this guy. First baseman for the oh. Mariners. I had never heard of him. Oh. France leads the majors and hits with 24 and total bases 42. Went 13 for 26. That's right. That's batting 500 with three home runs, 10 RBIs, and a 1.436 OPS en route to being named AL Player of the Week last week. He helped the mm-hmm. Mariners go five and one during the week and bump me and Jack's AL West pick up to first place, baby. Uh, yeah, you can me. France keep this. Oh yeah, okay. Can France keep this <laughs> pace up to carry the Mariners into the you know promised land that me and Jack project? I don't know. But Andrew, tell us about this guy. I know nothing about this guy. He was. I think he came over from San Diego, and he's kind of. The Padres love trading, and they've made some really great trades in the recent years, but they've also traded away a lot of really good players mm. and a really good prospects, and he's one of them. And he's yeah, he is probably breaking out this year. Like you were saying, no one really knows about him. He had a five hit. I think he went five for five or five for six a couple days ago. Jeez. And he yeah, this is his coming out party. I think he's going to have a really good year. Good for him. Well, we'll see. Well, we're hoping so. Zach and I are hoping so because he is. Oh, uh, yeah. We need him. Yeah. We definitely need him. He's a 34th round pick in the draft. Let's see. He batted last year. He batted 291, 18 home runs. He batted 309 in part-time play in 2020. So, yeah, who knows? I got a side bet on this guy. No, not yet. Uh Uh-oh. Seppi Zavala part two? Yeah. All right. All right. Who's next? Next, we got a guy who batted 165 last year. Mm-hmm. But this year, he's off to a much better start. It's Cody Bellinger. He's looking more like his old self. Won the NL MVP in 2019. Bellinger hit 304 during the week, 7 for 23, with three homers and a 1.174 OPS. Andrew, do you think this means it's a, he's, get, he's, he's back to normal, or do you think that's a, a weak fluke right there? I don't think he's back to normal. I think maybe he will be better than last year. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's hitting 273, but the big thing is you look can't at Can't be worse. <laughs> yes, he'll be, can't be worse. Baseball. He'll be any worse. 165. But if you look at his strikeouts, he's had 55 at bats. He struck out 20 times. That's so, what I'm looking at right now. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't see him keeping mm-hmm. this up at all. I think he'll be, well, it's dumb to say somewhere between. An MVP and hitting, you and know, under two hundred. <laughs> but I think he'll be average. I don't think he will be quite on that level. But I guess you never know. He's done. He's, yeah, he's done. <laughs> Side bet. He bats two twenty or less. All Write right, it down two twenty or less by the All end right. of the season. We'll keep an eye on that. We'll keep an eye on that. Yep. Jack. All right. Uh, you're. You're in prime mood right now after that rant about some guy you don't even know well, sucking know, at baseball. Let's hear what's bothering you. 
Well, I had to go to the drive-thru today to get Uh-oh. myself a nice sandwich and fries. I don't do that very often. Uh-oh. But whenever I do that, I like to roll the window down and listen to the person in front of me. Uh-huh. Does that come with cheese? <laughs> Does that have lettuce? Can I have a soda? What kind of soda? I know, I, you know what? Well, I guess I want to, you know, these people at the drive through windows at fast food restaurants, they're morons. <laughs> they don't know what they want. I mean, it's like, oh, does that, does that come with a tomato? Well, what else is on that? Oh my gosh. Just say, give me the number one combo and drive on. I sat there for literally five minutes and then she's asking the person, you know, how they ask the person sitting next to them, well, what do you want? And then there are a bunch of questions about the food that she wanted too. I actually, I pulled away. I backed up my car and got out of there. So from now on, if you go to drive through, know what you want within a minute of sitting there in front of your car, you know, in front of the menu. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It was absurd. All right. PSA, PSA from Jack. Yeah. Know your order before you order. order, And if you don't, Keep looking in the rearview mirror. See how red the guy's face is behind no, you. Oh, don't! Oh, I'm telling Just keep you, keep a monitor on that. Just <laughs> off. All right, let's move on, Jack. Thank you for sharing hey, your welcome. frustration. Hopefully, the world hears your message. Yep. Let's move on to the Joe West Award this week. Uh, who was the worst umpire? So I think this Uh-oh. is going to be another case of. The two of you might have to break the tie and decide well, here. Not after I heard that uh, they went after Hernandez at the yeah. Philly parking lot. And they the fans did. went after him. So then he okay. Then let's just see what you got, Andrew. So yeah, so <laughs> Angel Hernandez had a brutal game last night on Oy. Sunday night baseball. It was great. It was nationally televised. So everyone <laughs> uh, got to watch it, and I just put the video in there of Kyle Schwarber. Oh, absolutely yeah. losing it on Angel Hernandez after a missed third strike call in the ninth oh, yeah. inning. He throws his bat. He's <laughs> flailing his arms, Classic. screaming at him, saying... Looks like a cartoon <laughs> the way he's going on and on. Yeah, he is going wild. He's saying, you know, you've been awful all game, high, low, inside, outside. <laughs> horrible for us, horrible for them. Like He's saying both teams, you're just screwing all of us. And he's calling him trash, calling him a bum, all this stuff. So he absolutely went off. It was it was fair. I mean, that call itself wasn't that bad, but there were quite a few bad calls in that game. So I'm gonna put his uh, scorecard in there. Numbers wise, numbers wise, it wasn't the worst this week, but I think a lot of the calls were pretty egregious. There's a few that are way outside and a few that are way high mm-hmm. that were called strikes. So. He went ballistic. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's a game where the Phillies got no runs, so that adds yeah. to the Exactly. It was a one-run <laughs> game. It was a close game where he felt they were getting screwed. So yeah. it is – that is a bad one. And then the second one is Nestor – I think it's Keha, Seha, who numbers-wise had a worse game. It was 85% compared to Angel Hernandez was 88. Uh-huh. He was slightly more consistent. So – I don't know what you guys think. It, it there are two, two different types of bad games. I would say. Oh, no, I'm giving it to Angel Landis. Only yeah, me too. Of the brilliance, <laughs> the brilliance of uh, Schwarber in his argument, bouncing yeah. all around the place. Ah, it was that was a beautiful thing. I yeah, that was that was. 
it was uh, very animated, and I have never seen him like that. I'm a Cubs fan. I've never seen him that no. upset. He's usually got a smile on his face. But you know who did have a smile on their face? Hater, the pitcher, turns oh, around geez, immediately yeah. with the a big smirk smile that on his he face. gave. I mean, you, he knows that the zone is bigger than it usually yeah, is. Hater. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> He's a hater. He's saying, God, I love it when Angel Hernandez is umping for me. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's move on to week three's best umpire of the week. Yeah, best the umpire. Bill Clem Award. Bill Clem Award winner this is an interesting one. Mm-hmm. So the favorite, my which would be my pick, would be a defending win, a back-to-back win ah. for our favorite Pat Oberg. Put up another incredible performance. Oh, uh, Pat Oberg, Jack, you got to get him on the pod. A ninety-seven percent accuracy, Ooh. only three or maybe four wrong calls, but was an absolute great game. But the second place game is very interesting. Is Mr. Angel Hernandez had a 97% game, only had That's five hilarious. missed calls. Wow. Uh, but the, the caveat to this game is uh, it was on 420, so he might have smoked a little doobie before the game. Might have been on pitches was on doobie performance yeah drugs so he might have been on the peds a little bit so you never know there but interesting that we had the worst the worst game in the best game he was at least a candidate to win both yeah good for him but pat oberg i gotta give the oberg champ (laughs) i agree repeat winner or back-to-back winner maybe third time winning it in 2017, Hernandez, he sued MLB because they wouldn't let him do one World Series anymore. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he, and he said it was because they were racist. World Series. <gasps> he did, wow. Yeah, he, he claimed they were being racist, and then I think all they had to do was show him that scorecard. And he's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. yes, yeah, I forgot about that. I mean, the guy's 60 years old, too, and you know, you really have to wonder about his vision and such when you hit 60. Yeah. Yeah, Although if he's guy. doing doobie, I guess that's been keeping glaucoma off a little couple. There you go. I take it back. I'm sure his vision's great. Maybe it's prescribed. Yeah, that could be. All just right, like, let's... just like for me. What's <laughs> <was> next? <laughs> let's, let's move on to the music of the week. Andrew suggested "Rage Against the Machines." Rage Against the Machine. Uh, Jack, do you want to take this one? No, you I take it first. first Zach. All right, I'll go first. No. Um. Coming off of Metallica, I was like, all right, this is going to be maybe the same, maybe the same exact thing. I don't know. But no, it was not. It was not the same exact thing. It was a, it was much more uh, thought out guitar riffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the voice remind the voice of the singer reminds me of the Beastie Boys a lot. I don't know if you guys oh, got that. A hundred percent. He pretty much just kind of screams into and the mic. And they were right on the heels of the Beastie Boys. Like, ah, really? After the Beastie Boys came out, they hit the streets so uh ah. there was definitely some influence there very very high pitched voice just like the bc boys guy yeah but there was definitely some good songs on here there was yeah. bomb track i liked i like take the power back settle for nothing fistful of steel were all really good i mean the guitar rules in this band it's yeah uh, i, I talked to yeah that's right that's right He's i brilliant. talked to a guy at work who loves playing the guitar and he told me that one of the best modern guitar players he's ever heard is the guy from Rage Against the Machine, and I have to agree with him. I mean, that guy. Some of his could play some, some of it was beautiful. Astonishing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was beautiful. Um, 
and this isn't my kind of music, uh, but this kind of music, I, I could work out to this kind of music. I think yeah. it's, it's very aggressive. I, I didn't listen to much of the lyrics, um, but I'm sure they were also very aggressive to match the voice. Uh, like you said, Jack, there was a lot of like chanting, uh, a lot of, a lot of like uh, anti-establishment stuff going on right, in there. Right. Which the music fits so well with the vocalists and, and the lyrics of the songs. Yeah, yeah. So no. I thought, you know, for what it was, for all the hype, like I, I've heard of this a lot. I've heard of Rage Against the Machine plenty of times. Never heard any of their songs. Yep. Thought maybe too much hype, but no, the guitar carries this album to to heights. Um, but not my kind of music again. So we'll go. We'll go seven point two. Yeah, I'm obviously, I'm not a heavy metal thrash guy. And this, obviously, well, Tom Morello, brilliant guitarist. And then throw in, like I said, the vocalization and the, the rebellious lyrics of some of the songs. And these are both suburban white boys. So it's like, uh, you know, so again, it's as the Beastie Boys were. So it's basically, you know, suburban white boys taking on this kind of music and, and bringing it to a whole different, a different sound so i really enjoyed the uniqueness of this uh, mm-hmm. other than easty boys but um but again it's not something i'm going to put on all the time but i did love bomb track and take the power back and know your enemy i mean they were just mind-blowing at times so mm-hmm. i'll have to give it a seven point what you say zach 7.2 i'll go 7.25 oh okay okay <laughs> I think 7.2 is like the highest I give a, a record that screams at me. So it, that's true, a good rating yeah. for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm with both of you guys. I think it was very unique. It was it was pretty awesome to listen to. All the songs you guys named were also my favorites. The the guitar's great. When he was I gu- I guess you would call it rapping. I, uh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I really liked that. Like, I Can't really liked rap, his yeah. voice. I really liked what he was saying. I didn't, I didn't really pay much attention to the actual lyrics, but I just really liked all of that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the screaming was a bit much for me. Anytime they would get to just like chanting or screaming, I was like, yeah, I could, I could do without that. Mm-hmm. But the actual main parts of all the songs, I thought were brilliant, yeah. and they sound amazing. And it is kind of a shame about the screaming because there was really no songs <laughs> that didn't have it. Yeah. Well, you know, it is rage against the machine. Yes. So. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely <laughs> fits the get style. Some screaming. Exactly. Yeah. It definitely fits the style. So that's definitely why it's not my kind of music. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, th- I think if they had, you know, some of the songs just didn't have that, they would be almost perfect songs for me. Like that, yeah. though, everything other than that was so awesome. So I definitely enjoyed it. I enjoyed it way more than the last album, which it's, not really yeah, the no. same, but kind of the same. So I think last time I gave it like a re- around a six and a half. So I'm going to go 7.9 on that one. Ooh. It was good. I mean, I was surprised too, Andrew. I was pleasantly surprised. And, uh, you know, m- maybe we'll move away from this yelling loud guitar for a little bit. Jack, do you have, yeah. a, do you have a record for us for this week? I got something for you. <laughs> I have an album, the best album from what? One of the most successful album from one of the most successful hip hop acts to emerge from Great Britain, the Stereo MCs. Born in London drill in 1985. Music? What's that? Is it drill music? No, it's not drill music. 
It's a very, um, well, you'll find out. It, it, they formed in 85, very successful in Britain. Of course, every band I like, I guess, successful in Britain, but not successful here. Uh -huh. um, so, yeah, Connected, their 1992 album, which is right. said to be their best, and I, I agree with that assessment. Um, give that a listen, boys. I think you'll like it. I don't know, maybe. All right, excited to listen. Excited to listen it's, to it's, some. You've, Zach, you've definitely heard a couple songs. Oh, but I'm sure. I'm sure. You'll be able to hear the whole record now. So, all right, I'm excited. Oh, and I just want to say another muse on a musical note. Uh, Friday night, I went and saw Ten Thousand Maniacs here in Bristol, Virginia, and they were a big band in the late '80s, early '90s, and they're on their mm -hmm. 40th anniversary tour. And I got to talking to one of the one of the original two original members are left, and mm -hmm. um, I asked them a trivia question. I said, "I saw you 40 years ago at the University of Buffalo." In 19, of course, they were nobody. Now, the reason I saw my University of Buffalo because they're from Jamestown, New York, near Buffalo. That's the only reason ah. they were there. But they opened up for Psychedelic Furs and what other band? And he said, Our Daughter's Wedding. And I'm like, Oh my God, you are <laughs> correct, sir. It was Psychedelic Furs, Our Daughter's Wedding, and 10,000 Maniacs. So that's um, awesome. They put on a great show and, um, uh, you know, what can I say? It's just nice that some of these bands are still around doing their thing. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Love to hear it. Are we the Mets play tonight? We do. Scherzer on the bump. Oh, Ooh, watch it Max. Yeah. All right. Well, we better we, we better turn the, we got better get this over with and start watching the game. Thanks for joining us for episode yep. thirty-eight of Lugie. Hope you all enjoyed it. Join us next Thursday for episode thirty-nine. Tell a friend. Rate us five stars wherever you listen. We got the dang six stars. Oh, so sorry. I keep forgetting. <laughs> Six stars. Rate, rate us five, and then go back and rate us one. Yeah, no, keep us, no. you know, keep us modest. Uh, and you know, we got merch on Redbubble.com. Search for Loogie. We love you. We hope you have a great night. We hope the Mets win. LGM. Uh, and we and we hope you're happy. I'll try. All right, Jack. What were you going to say to me? Nothing. <laughs> See right. you next week. Just Denmark. wanted to interrupt. Just wanted to interrupt the, uh, the outro. Good night, Denmark. <laughs> Good night, Denmark. We love you.